Hello, and welcome to our 10th episode of the Learning Experience Lab. Thank you for your patience waiting an extra week for this one to come out. Last week, the team and myself were putting full focus into preparing and delivering our first ever virtual conference, Inspire Ed 2021 at Feedback Fruits, which turned out to be a joy for all of us involved, letting us hear about the insights and innovations from North America to South Australia. And with it a week behind us now, we're already getting excited for Inspire Ed 2022. But for today, we're going to revisit our roots in the Learning Experience Lab and take another look at something related to feedback. We got in touch with two researchers currently at Wageningen University in the Netherlands who've been looking at the relationships between peer review activities and the end quality of students' argumentative essays. Dr. Omid Noruzi and Kazem Banihasem were kind enough to talk to us about their research around feedback fruits tools and the effects on students' writing quality. And we also had the chance to touch upon the new and exciting automated feedback tool, which they'd just recently gotten a first glimpse of. My thanks also to Jose of the Feedback Fruits automated feedback team for his contributions in the latter half of the conversation. Now, looking through the backgrounds of our guests, I saw countries on every side of the world. So my first question to them was, what have you learned from studying and working in such a large variety of cultural contexts? So here's how Kazem answered that question and the rest that follows. Well, uh, I received my PhD in educational technology from Alometebo Teba University, which is located in Tehran. But I also had uh, one year experiencing as a researcher at the University of British Columbia in Canada. So uh, if I consider it uh, from educational perspective and from the cultural uh, perspective, so uh, in my country, you know, it's not that much culturally diverse, we have the same background almost. So uh, from intercultural communication, we don't have such a, uh, I would say problems in terms of misunderstanding or you know not having a clear understanding of what learning means, what, uh, uh, you know, how the education should be in terms of supporting uh, students or these kind of things. But, uh, when I was uh, back in Canada, uh, one of the most important aspects of their education uh, was mainly focused on uh, cultural differences since uh, the Canada basically is naturally diverse in terms of the background that people have. They come from different countries. So they, main folk, they, they are focused on the, uh, the, you know, the cultural differences, how they should be nicely and decently communicated between these uh, cultures. So how, uh, for example, I remember that in one of the courses uh, that I've been like a teaching assistant, uh, there were there there was some uh, misunderstanding about the the, the symbols that uh, you know mm. different countries have. So. I, so some people, some students were uh, mistake, were you know become you know anxious whether whether I use these kind of uh, uh, symbols in my uh, I mean the communication or not. So I think uh, one of the things that uh, should be uh, noted here is that this uh, cultural attention that uh, we should have in education. Okay, very succinct. Then thank you very much. And uh, Omid, maybe you could take the question. Mm, yes, so the, I think I have been experiencing different uh, 
education type in different countries. And uh, my background is that I did my bachelor and master in Iran at the Bu uh, Ali Sinai University and Tarbiat Mudaris University. So the education culture is really different than uh, what I actually did during my PhD in the Netherlands at Wageningen University. So uh, in Iran at that time, so there was not that much focus on the group work, not much focus on the feedback kind of thing. So it was uh, mostly a one-way street, a top-down approach from teacher to students to the transmission of knowledge. But mm. when I came to the Netherlands, this situation uh, reversed. So it was more student-centered approach in which students uh, really communicated uh, with the teachers, with their fellow students and you know there were a lot of emphasis on the feedback on the collaboration on the argumentation on the higher order skills basically so then i moved to a couple of uh, other universities uh, around the world uh, for example in university of michigan in united states uh, so i was there for about uh, more than six months actually then uh, in university of olo in finland then uh, esx school in france and also some other uh, countries so i think uh, then over there uh, the situation was a little bit in between Iran and the Netherlands. So uh, again, there was focus on the feedback, on the group work, on you know things uh, like the student-centered approach, but not to the extent as in the Netherlands. So uh, and also another difference that I saw was that. Uh, uh, in those countries, uh, especially in the United States, there is a much focus on the theoretical and conceptual type of work. For example, if teachers say something, if researchers say something, that is the document. But here in the Netherlands, we try to do empirical work and uh, that also makes uh, the educational setting a little bit different. So this is a summary of my actually observation about these three different uh, kind of uh, uh, countries um, with regard to the education basically yeah that resonates um, especially with the dutch picture i can't speak for the american one or the canadian one personally but the sheer fact of that you address teachers by their first names here i've become so used to it and so i did it with you professor even though where i'm from we're very much more polite and uh, only use second names and titles to refer to our elders. But uh, having been here for long enough now, it started to rub off on me. Thanks for that uh, general summary, the background. I think it's interesting to know kind of where we've come from to see how we go forward and how we take these approaches. So I really want to hear about the research that you've been doing, Kazem, about um, improving argumentative essay writing with peer feedback. So what made you want to start doing that project? Okay, so the, I think uh, over the last uh, maybe 13 years, I've been doing research on argumentation and uh, learning and how can we use technology to facilitate the students' collaborative learning, argumentation-based learning, etc. So in the past, I mostly focused on this uh, oral argumentation, oral collaboration. 
and uh, I think students have improved and we even have uh, introduced a couple of courses at Wageningen uh, with regard to argumentation which could help them actually uh, acquire the argumentation competence and apply that in oral settings but then uh, I talked to a couple of teachers in uh, Wageningen and uh, they said okay so now they are good uh, in terms of oral argumentation and oral collaboration kind of things but when it comes to writing then they they have some problems so they do not have that much structure so uh, we want them to write for example these essays because we are dealing with a lot of controversial issues in in the uh, field especially in Wageningen that deals with a lot of life sciences issues like environmental education the biotechnology there are many controversial issues in these mm -hmm. fields but when we ask them to write essays so their essays do not have structure their essays uh, lack uh, solid argumentation strategies and as a result uh, so they said okay what can we do now to actually also improve the quality of essays of students and uh, then we started to actually implement some tools uh, which uh, actually you know they had some features that we wanted uh, for example they allowed us to you know embed some kind of questions that we wanted from the students to respond but they didn't have all the features together and that's why we then shifted uh, to this uh, feedback fruits and we were very happy that uh, this uh, feedback fruit tool came in and it allowed us to actually the, you know have all the students uh, you know to write their essays and then based on the questions that we wanted they could give each other's feedback to improve the quality of the essays especially the argumentative part of the essay and also to be able to revise their works based on the feedback and then resubmit so this was the good point and also the automatic uh, you know assignment of the uh, submissions to one another for giving each other's feedback that was also a very good feature that we uh, basically used from these feedback fruits but now we are busy with uh, actually analyzing many of these uh, you know courses that we have used the feedback fruits to improve the argumentative essay and the results are coming up uh, uh, actually in few months I guess and are those going to be uh, quantitative data that you've been gathering from these courses? Yes, the quantitative data, which means that so students uh, wrote their essays before, uh, you know, uh, giving them any instruction. So they just wrote and then we try to actually use this feedback, this argumentative essay feedback that they received from two other learning partners and then they had to uh, revise their uh, essay based on this feedback. So we want to know to what extent students have been improving in terms of having structure, in terms of uh, making a solid, uh, you know, argumentation strategies in their essay, but basically to what extent they are able to convince people now with their final argumentative essay. So we have a lot of data that we have uh, uh, gathered so far and we are now using different type of rubrics both for the quality of the essay and also quality of the feedback. So we are now linking this to see for example uh, what kind of feedback has led to 
significant changes from uh, you know from the beginning to the end or what uh, what are the typical patterns of successful feedback what are the typical patterns of less successful feedback so we are linking the learning process to the outcomes basically and uh, hopefully this will uh, give us quite a lot of uh, rich data uh, for this uh, experiment Right. I'm sure my colleagues will agree it's a fantastic thing for us as well at Feedback Fruits to be able to look at the data and look at the, the link between the uh, before and after situation that you've been yeah. documenting. Because, of course, we want to um, promote ourselves and talk about the value that we can bring to education. But it's research like yours, which is actually putting that into some kind of tangible, workable system rather than... Uh, what I do, which is a few random use cases here and there, and anecdotal evidence. Now you're yeah. looking at the hard data. Yeah, it's a more a research perspective. And also mm -hmm. the good thing is that this is done in different courses with different uh, backgrounds. We are doing that with the bachelor students and with the master students. How many we students are, uh, in total? Have we are talking about now for, for 500 students. And also, we are still collecting data uh, next year, uh, which we expect uh, to be around 500 more students. And also, we are doing that with, uh, you know, the domains, the beta domains and the gamma domains, the, and also the combination of beta gamma domains. And uh, uh, so we are doing that in different domains. Uh, for example, the biotechnology the global health the environmental education the the what are the other courses actually there are many courses that uh, we are dealing that so this will really give us a very good input that is uh, uh, not domain specific dependent anymore that is uh, just uh, general because we are collecting uh, data from different uh, courses basically and Gazem, uh, where do you fit into all this research uh, okay, so as Omid said, uh, the, the review of the literature, if we go even to look at the literature, we can see that uh, uh, teachers are not really satisfied with the quality of the argumentative essay in higher education. Uh, they don't really provide very structured uh, of the, the essay that uh, covers the pros and cons, the integration of the you know different ideas and finally, Make a conclusion based on those uh, arguments. So we, uh, so this is kind of a place that it needs to be worked on to do some research to see what's the problem is. So uh, based on the uh, research that again that especially in the classes with large part of students, it is not almost possible for a teacher to provide the feedback because it's you know it requires so much of the workload. So the peer feedback is actually promising and affordable, let's say, uh, strategy, educational strategy to, to, to make it happen. So in this research, actually, uh, uh, we use the peer feedback as a, as a tool to, uh, to provide the, uh, you know, the, the, pro the information by, you know, students provide actually this information to each one to another to see, okay, what's the problem in your essay? what is not the problem, how you can make improvements, what's the points for improvement. So the feedback fruit in this case actually helped a lot. So how I joined to this, pro uh, I mean, the project, well, 
so we had a like the conversation with Dr. Omid Norris in terms of these projects. So that was very r- fruitful, and somehow I ended uh, I end up with this uh, project. And uh, now we are in the middle of the collecting our data. And I, I assume that, as Omid said, there are a couple of courses that we are involved in from uh, masters students that they are in the course, and also the uh bachelor's students from different uh, courses which shows us that the peer feedback that we are using is not course domain specific so we can say that okay these peer feedback can actually be generalized for different courses so so which means that we can scale it up for the the whole wagoning and if the results are positive so yeah that's it i would say that Okay. Uh, we're doing well so far. <laughs> Good to hear. And you both mentioned about domain-specific feedback. That's something that actually came up when I was speaking with a previous guest on the podcast, John McCormick, and we puzzled for a little bit about, is there a universal framework of feedback or rubrics where you can say, these are always good elements to have in a feedback process? And we couldn't find an answer, but I'm happy to hear that you've been thinking of this and building it into the research design a little bit, taking it into consideration. Mm-hmm. And it's nice that you're able to get data from so many different sorts of courses. Yeah. So the, this is a little bit difficult to answer. And uh, the, the thing is that uh, I, I believe that you know, there are some sort of general feedback features that could be applied in you know a lot of cases and that is not domain specific dependent uh, but there are also some you know specific feedback that are designed for you know a content with the type of assignment the type of task that exists but in this case for the argumentative essay writing in our case so the, normally there is a typical feature for each essay. So we know that uh, because we have interviewed many, uh, you know, uh, teachers and also many experts in the field of argumentation, and we have come up with a, a general feature of the argumentative essay, which we expect that, for example, when the students write an essay uh, in the these controversial issues, they should follow this uh, structure. So, for example, they have to first, uh, you know, introduce the the topic, then they have to take a position on that topic, then they have to support their uh, position, then they need to also come up with the counter arguments against the position, they they need to respond to those positions, and then they need to uh, actually integrate and uh, make a conclusion. So, this is a typical uh, general, uh, you know, argumentative essay, and the feedback are also designed in such a way to actually help the students follow this structure. And for example, then the feedback is, okay, to what extent your learning partner has been able to provide scientific evidence uh, for the position that he has taken? So then they say, okay, not that much or too much or you know very little then again this we ask them okay what could you add to that what kind of uh, you know feedback would you give in order to actually make this better for the uh, scientific evidence in favor of the position so again you see the feedback is very uh, how to say 
directly related to the type of the essay that we expect from students. So that is why in this specific case, we have a general uh, uh, you know, feedback, which could be applied to many courses, many domains, regardless of actually their uh, uh, background and uh, domain. And peer review has been the main tool, the peer review tool which you've used for this. But maybe you could tell me a bit about automated feedback and where you first heard about that and what you thought. Okay, this automated feedback is something that uh, we just uh, actually heard about, I think, uh, two months ago. And then I was curious to see what is it and how can we apply that in our work, etc. So this automated feedback is something that, you know, helps students to actually, you know, follow some basic aspects of the essay of the, the you know, the, thesis or uh, article or whatever, depending on the type of the task that the teachers want, actually. So, and I found that quite useful because uh, normally we ask the students, for example, to come up with five pages of this that includes these elements, etc. But they do not follow for any reason, for dif different type of reasons. So this will give them a very good uh, overview of uh, the first draft that they have provided. But for this argumentative essay, this is not something yet that we can count on too much because in the argumentative essay, we go for the higher order level which, uh, which requires argumentation. And that is a little bit difficult at this point to make it automated because that is a language processing thing type of uh, work. But we think that it's very useful for many other courses that we offer here at the Education Learning Sciences courses. And as a result, I think we have a meeting uh, next week, as I uh, expect, that uh, uh, we are going to give them a demonstration to all the teachers in our group. And they have shown their interest. So the, I'm going to give them a demonstration about the feedback, uh, uh, automated feedback, which uh, Actually, it should be the task of one of your colleagues, but I'm doing yeah. that on their behalf because uh, I think I, they know me and they know that I'm educational innovator kind of thing. And uh, maybe that has a little bit more impact on them that if I tell them, okay, this is uh, something that you could use. That's why so, yeah. we decided to uh, do it uh, ourselves because we already had uh, one demonstration with one of your colleagues. So they showed us exactly, even though I know how these things work because I'm in the field of educational technology myself. But I'm going to now give a presentation to my colleagues who are interested and next week we will do it and perhaps then they will contact your uh, people uh, because I assume that there might have, you know, extra follow-up questions, uh, things like that. And also you need to activate that for their, you know, feedback mm -hmm. fruit uh, thing. So uh, you will hear I think uh, quite a lot of questions uh, from my uh, colleagues uh, okay. later after we give this presentation to them. All right. I already have a lot of questions for you right now about that. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to ask Gazem, um, did you have any experience or thoughts about automated feedback? Yeah, I worked a little bit with the automated feedback because as Omin said, we are going to present this feature for our colleagues next week. And one thing that I really like about the automated feedback that it 
has a potential actually to save the teacher's time for some basic background feedback. I mean, like, okay, you, you have to meet these word limits for your work. You have to remember that your reference should be in an APA style or for example, okay, you have some problems in wording, the grammar. This is kind of a thing is not really, it doesn't require higher order thinking skills or comp uh, complex compet uh, cognitive thinking skills. It could be actually done by machine learning or the so AI, I would say. So the one main benefit I would say for the automated feedback is that it could save the teachers for time, uh, save the time teachers time for these basic feedbacks. And so they can mainly focus on something more important, like as Omid said, the quality of the works, the assignments that cannot be easily provided these kind of feedbacks by the AI. So this is one of the things that I realized by, you know, by doing some working with this uh, automated feedback. However, I would say that uh, it, I think it is still in progress. They are working on it to, to see how it actually be more fitted for courses that uh, they are going to use this uh, function. Well, but yeah, that's the potential that I can see in automated feedback so far. Okay, thanks. And while Jose is here, uh, maybe we could go a little bit more into depth because Jose works closely with automated feedback into some of those um, lower order spelling, grammar, style, semantic checks. What are some of the most useful ones which really save the most time? Some of the some of the commonest things which come up. So automated feedback currently uh, has eleven stable checks, and uh, it's always growing with more checks being promoted. So right now. From teachers, usually what works best is checking the references, making sure that it's the same style. From the beta, from the beta functions, that are the ones that are in development, I've heard that personal pronouns are a big one. For example, to be able to check whether students use I or we, and that's not really formal language. For example, recently, as of last week, we've promoted grammar as stable. I'm pretty sure. I can double check with my team. But uh, professors who are also really who use that as a beta function were really requesting that to be promoted because they also found it quite useful. Thanks, Jose. Did you have any questions for Jose while he's here to provide any more information on automated feedback? So we have not yet experienced with it in a formal setting in the classroom. Uh, but but I, I think with regard to our work, what could be very beneficial from this is that uh, you know, that these elements should be in the, for example, thesis or in the, the essay uh, or the number of words, for example, for each of those, uh, you know, elements that could be useful or uh, the number of words in total or the, the reference style. So that's my guess, but still we have to actually try it and uh, to see uh, which function works better and uh, of course with the low level order kind of things i think uh, this is uh, fantastic as a kind of educational innovator i know that this will be quite appreciated by teachers because that also makes their lives much easier and they can focus on the 
real things, the higher order uh, aspects of the thesis of the work, instead of just you know going there for this you know grammar, for the, the language, for the spelling, for the structure kind of thing. So they could really focus on the most important part and let this job to be done by the automated feedback. Yeah. So something I heard recently is that when a student receives the work of their peer to give feedback to, the first thing they do is they look at the document and they, they make a value judgment. Is this work better than mine? They will look through it and say, ah, they did this and I didn't do this. They will have an internal feedback process, right? And make a comparison. Um, so that's one thing. And also when you're reading through someone's work, the cognitive load of being able to easily scan it is made much more difficult by if there are grammatical stylistic things. So what I see as the added benefit of automated feedback for peer review is that if students are able to sort out all of those things which might slip you up or take away from the attention of the content, then peers can provide better feedback to each other's argumentation, to each other's essays. With all of the research you've done and all of the looking at argumentation and peer feedback, have you seen either of these themes come up? Value judgments, um, students making improvements on their papers based on their peers, anything like this? I think this is a good thing that you also mentioned, not only for the teachers, but also for the peer feedback. This automated feedback could be very helpful. And then in that case, again, because what we want in this kind of whole peer feedback setting is that the feedback goes toward the real things, huh? the, the, not that this, uh, let's say, low level order kind of things, like the spelling, the grammar, the things. And then the, the also, for me, because I'm also reviewing quite a lot for the top international journals, to be honest, these things uh, uh, have consequences for my mind. So when I see a paper or an article that has, for example, some of these uh, simple grammatical mistakes or simple spelling mistakes or you know little bit problem with the structure, then my mind tends to uh, actually do judge the work negatively. So I, I just look for the reasons to reject the paper because that already, you know, has something in my mind, huh? So negatively. And uh, I assume that this is also the case with the peer review. So when the students want to, then they say, oh, well, what is it? Again, uh, grammatical mistake. Again, you know, this spelling uh, problem. So then again, this might lead to some judgmental mm. type of, uh, you know, uh, review, which is not what we want from students. So we, we, we could say, okay, despite the fact that maybe, okay, this uh, has some problems, Still, you give your feedback on the real thing, and that is what we appreciate. But with this automated feedback, I think uh, things could become much uh, easier. So that if we get rid of those uh, kind of things, then judgmental type of review would disappear to some extent. Let's hope so a bit. Yeah, I absolutely understand where you're coming from with making this make something happening to your mind and making this judgment. It happens to me all the time when I'm reading either a peer's work at school 
or a published article in a respected journal, if you see these errors, it takes away from the content, it takes away from the meaning of yeah. what you're actually reading, I think. Indeed, and, and the, the, the reason is very simple, because we are not only rational beings, we rely on emotions, and that's uh, uh, as simple as this is, huh? Yeah, and I think we need to acknowledge that in yeah. the feedback process as yeah. well. Well, thanks for sharing your thoughts. Ni Jose, are there any questions you'd like to ask at this point? Automated feedback, um, you haven't uh, used this in, um, let's say, students' assignments yet, right? Not yet. Not yet. I, I think, yeah, I was uh, talking to one of your colleagues and then we just came across to this tool and uh, then I thought, okay, it's interesting and uh, let me figure this out a little bit more. And uh, then we had one demonstration mm -hmm. and then I became even more convinced that this is going to be useful for uh, teachers and that's why we have mm -hmm. set up an appointment with all the teachers in our chair group uh, to actually show them what is it, uh, what are the, the functions, how can we use it in education. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, from then, maybe in period six, we uh, will be using that in some of our courses. That's amazing. Yeah. Very cool. So are there any things that you still want to get off your chest? What should we be focusing on in uh, peer feedback research? What do people need to pay more attention to? What's something that surprised you from your research? Something unexpected that's come up, perhaps? Kazan, please. Yeah, there's one uh, suggestion I would say that we, I think based on our experiences with feedback fruit, we would like to see maybe in feedback fruits. Well, for now, uh, we have the first submission of the original essay in feedback fruit. Students, again, can provide feedback based on the submission they have, again, in the feedback fruit uh, platform. But for the second submission, that is the revised version of the essay writing, they have to go outside of the uh, feedback fruit platform and uh, upload it in the bright space in general, I mean. So this is kind of, uh, you know, a problem for us to have the whole package of our study design in the feedback fruit. So this, the so if there were such a function to have, the, again, another submission in the feedback fruit, after they actually they provide the feedback, that would be, I think, a nice things that we can have for our research and also maybe generally for the feedback fruit, that's it. I think I have good news for you. It's coming and it's called chaining. And what you said is right on the money. The reason I love feedback fruits is because I started using it in a course in Utrecht where I'm still enrolled. Because our peer feedback assignment beforehand meant that we had to download a document in one program, open it in another, email it through our email server, and have so many tabs and actions and parts of the of the learning trajectory, which weren't about the learning, but they were about locating, sharing, and exporting documents. And now you mentioned that a lot of things can happen within Feedback Fruits, but if you need to go back to the bright space, back to the learning management system environment and come out of that interface, then you've already lost the flow. You've already made it twice as hard to locate all the documents. But it's coming. It's called chaining. And the idea here is that revisions to documents, multiple uploads can happen within the same activity or the same activity flow. Uh, that's, that's great. Uh... 
That's perfect. And apart from this chaining or uh, actually, you know, having everything in one package. Uh, uh, so I think uh, I also have another suggestion, which is about the reflection on the feedback. Okay. So now, now there is a place in which students could reflect you know, generally about, you know, the type of feedback that they received. And this is optional also for the teachers if they want to actually have it on or off. What I also would like to see is that they, the, the system allows teacher to actually ask specific questions in the reflection cycle, in the reflection part, because now it's a very general. So just, you know, the teacher could, you know, put a text there, so re reflect on the feedback that you receive based on this, this. But again, my experiences with all these uh, previous studies show that if we have a specific type of questions that the teachers could put there and the students could reflect to each of them in one box, okay, then that is much... Uh, easier for the teacher and also for the students because the students uh, typically forget the whole thing and then they only focus on the first question or the second question but if we have them you know structured in each box then uh, they could uh, and also sometimes the teachers have very specific questions for example sometimes i want the students to reflect on one specific thing so I want to put it in a question and give them a box to respond to that. So, but now it's only one general box, which uh, makes it a little bit uh, difficult for me to focus on the real things that I want as a teacher. Hmm. And I can imagine in terms of wanting to collate and extract that data, yeah. if you have reflection fields, which are both addressing, which are each addressing a specific question, then it can be easier to collect yeah. that data over many instances. Yeah. Basically, like the feedback uh, part itself, that you know you could use the different questions uh, in the feedback, and then the students could respond to those questions when they mm. want to give feedback. So I also want this to be implemented uh, in the reflection part as well, because uh, not only the feedback is important, the reflection is even more important, I think, if we put emphasis on that. Yeah. Well, I'll uh, make some calls and see what I can do. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you both so much for your time. It's been a pleasure to hear about your research and your experiences. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. The fact that these feature requests, as we call them, these ideas from instructors and researchers at all the different institutions we work with, that we can take them on board, work with them, and co-create a better tuned tool at the end of the day, it's a beautiful thing to see unfold. And you could probably hear my enthusiasm when I was able to relay that some of these ideas were already in the works and are currently in testing. It's not tech companies, support or service providers that know best how to teach, it's teachers. And that's why I love to be able to find out all these different approaches and methods and suggestions and ideas with regards to teaching styles so we can build our instructional designs around them rather than the other way around. Another huge thanks to Omid and Kazem for sharing their research, and I wish you both the best of luck rounding things off with the project. In the meantime, it's been a pleasure to have you with us, listener, for 10 episodes of the Learning Experience Lab. So take care, stay safe, and I'll catch you in two weeks for the next one.